look at it from a commercial perspective, you view the ABC as a competitor and as someone trying to steal your audience. If you view it from an ABC perspective, it is a charter commitment to offer something to all Australians. Hello and welcome to Crawford Media. Earlier this week, I wrote about Nine and the ABC being recognised internationally for their fast-growing news websites. I took the opportunity to examine the ways that metrics can be used and abused in newsrooms. And from the comments I received, I could tell I'd hit a nerve. If you've worked in digital inside a big, focused, competitive general news site, you don't easily forget the pressure. And many people wanted to back up what I said about insulating reporters from metrics. For the record, I've been a big pusher of metrics inside newsrooms, and I've presided over editorial cultures where numbers are really important. I've mellowed a bit over the years and learned a lot from newsrooms I've worked in. There's a short story by Borges where he meets his former self and he's not impressed. I'm not sure about that, but I definitely wouldn't want to work in some of my old teams. Today, I'm speaking to ABC News Director Gavin Morris about the long-term trend which underlies his brand's globally recognised performance. Morris took charge of the ABC in 2015, and since then, the ABC's digital news audience has been growing steadily. In a statement that may horrify commercial operators, Morris says ABC News is not done growing yet. So how did they do it, and how hard did he have to push the numbers? My name is Gavin Morris, and I'm the Director of News Analysis and Investigations at the ABC. I've been in this role about six years. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think when you and I, or maybe before or just after you, you became News Director, you and I had a chat, and we talked about the ABC News, your, your online presence. And really, one thing that I've thought about for a long time is just how much of a sleeping giant the ABC News was in in a digital sense. Now, that's completely transformed. And that's why I want to talk to you today. Can you just take me through how the digital giant of, of ABC News woke up? Well, I suppose we faced this real challenge, you know, six or seven years ago. The clickbait world was upon us at the time, and you could see all sorts of news organisations yeah, effectively changing their DNA to try to appeal to this kind of online digital monster that was encroaching on their business models. And, and at ABC News, we, we had a choice to make. We could see that our broadcast audiences were declining over time, were getting older, that linear broadcasting was obviously going to be less of uh, a primary experience for news and information in the future. While still strong, we had to recognize that it would shrink over time and that the demographics weren't on our side. So we, we, we reach this real junction point. What do you do with that? When, when your traditional audiences are declining, you can see that this digital thing is looming, but equally you can see that um, some other media organizations were going down a path where, you know, throughput and clicks and all of that were, were tantalizing. Uh, you know, we really had to kind of think about what was the essence of ABC News as a digital leader and as a sort of an, with an online presence that could reach new demographics that could grow our audience over time. And I suppose the phrase I, I like to use a lot in talking to the team about it at the time was, look, if clickbait means that we're going to see a whole bunch of news providers going to swim in the shallow end of the pool, 
maybe we should stay down the deep end. And in the end, you know, what, what seemed like a natural fit for us turned out to be a pretty clever strategy. So, yeah, that's right. And and, and there was a, a movement to subscriptions that began around about that time as well, you know, a serious move to paywalls, which which I think assisted in changing the environment. But Gavin, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the term clickbait. And, and the reason I'm not is it, it's a bit like the term fake news. It, it, it's basically used by a lot of people just to label something they don't like without any sort of pejorative implications here. What happens is that when you install internal metrics in a newsroom and you incentivize people to maximize those metrics, young editors trying to do their best can go down some pretty dark paths. Have you experienced that and how do you avoid that? Yeah, well, let, let me, I suppose, explain what I mean by clickbait because what I thought we could see happening in the industry were really great journalism brands that had survived in either a newspaper realm or in a broadcast realm decided they had to be something completely different to apparently appeal to an online audience. Now, I totally understand there are all sorts of commercial reasons why organizations were trying to work out how to monetize uh, audiences on, online, and, and that was quite a puzzle. But, it, but equally, uh, you know, I always had this fundamental belief that audiences were going to value valuable things. And, and if that meant you know, excellent journalism and unique and original storytelling and, you know, in-depth kind of coverage and, and information was what you made your brand, that there was also success in that. And, and I sometimes wondered, you know, not totally understanding the commercial pressures that's, that many of those organizations were under, why some other journalism organizations didn't also see value in that. And then what you saw was that subscription model come along where that's exactly what uh, a number of journalism organizations decided to do that the real value in digital audiences and the real way to monetize them was to offer something so valuable that people would pay subscriptions for it. So it was a similar path that we went down with a slightly different, obviously, motivation. But th I suppose that's what I mean. And the tendency mm. was still always for you know, some in the newsroom to sort of look at the volume of traffic and say, look, we need to chase that. We need to go after the volume. And that has obviously been a tension at the ABC, just like any other organization where, you know, I suppose the phrase that we've tried to embed in our teams is we want to be guided by the data, but we don't want to be a prisoner of it. Um, so, so let's ensure that the data is informing us. Let's ensure that we're absolutely in tune with what audiences are interested in. But let's not let that determine what our editorial values are. That that's the key, isn't it? It's it the, the key is having that sort of waterfall of editorial the editorial guidelines, the tone, the voice, who you are, that comes first, and then maximizing traffic is a is a subset within that. In my experience, I don't know about you, Gavin, but I find people they find it hard to t take any kind of complexity away from a message. And if you tell people we're going to become Australia's number one digital news source, then, you know, Armageddon will ensue. What, how, what's your experience of treading the line? It was really about focusing on the values of what made us important to the Australian public and reinforcing that in the way we rolled out the digital strategy. So what we didn't want, uh, so we never said we wanted to be number one in digital or online. And in fact, it was never really even written into our strategy. It wasn't part of the plan. 
we thought that we needed to be a lot more relevant on digital and we needed to be a lot more interesting and fulfilling to people. And that if we did that, we'd find a successful place where we could reach new audiences that weren't necessarily of a demographic that listened to our radio broadcasts or watched our television broadcasts. That was the, that was the aim. And when we set out on the strategy that I called equal digital life, the idea was that if we focused around our very best journalism and effectively gave it an equal digital life, that is made it as relevant and as accessible and as interesting on digital platforms as it is on our broadcast platforms, that would be a pathway for us to, you know, use what we were already really good at, but take that to a new audience. And in the process of doing that, we we kind of by accident became number one. Yeah, culture is very important uh, as well, isn't it? And within newsrooms, you, you have different cultures and you have dominant cultures. Did you have to empower the digital culture at the ABC? You, you had to do two things. So, well, I had to do many things, but the two key parts to that, one was to sit down with some of the really great broadcast teams we've got that are best in the business in making television documentaries or doing radio current affairs or, or, you know, doing original storytelling and say to them, look, we want you to be as successful in 20 years time as you were 20 years ago, but that's going to involve us reaching audiences you're currently not reaching. And if you look at your demographics, there was quite a lot of fear in many of our teams about the fact that they could see what was happening to broadcast audiences and that they knew that if the tide kept going out in the way that it was, that, you know, maybe their future would be in peril. So my fundamental message to those teams was, well, if you see yourself as a television program, you know, on linear television, on primetime ABC with a, you know, audience that's approaching 70 on average, then yeah, you know, there might not be kind of a long and prosperous future, but if what you really see yourself is, is the best journalism team or the best production team or the best kind of program making team that we can muster. And we focus on the essence of the quality that you're producing and we can produce that equally for a digital audience, you'll live forever because mm. they, they are fundamental things that people want. Great storytelling, narrative-driven storytelling, investigative journalism, original journalism. I, I, uh, there's two, two lots of pushback I want to ask you about. One, one is pushback from, from your staff. So... I know that the ABC, like any big newsroom, has a lot of inertia. Um, and also there's a, there's an awful lot of people who've been there for a, for a long time. Now someone comes in, so you're talking to them about equal digital life and and I'm he- knowing some of these old journos and even some of the not-so-old ones and I'm thinking th- they're going to give you a hard time and they're going to accuse you of, of, of running down the public broadcaster. And it took five years of having that conversation, of analysing the way our teams were built, of working out what training was required, working out which people were going to work in that environment and rise to the challenge and and absolutely fundamentally moving the furniture around while also continuing to try to drive this cultural conversation around really the opportunity that was there for us if we wanted to reach for it. And I think if, I think what we tried to do was to put it in opportunistic terms, if, you know, You know, and I'm still having this conversation with teams saying, I still think our audience can get bigger and broader. You know, I still think we can have a bigger audience next year than we had last year. You know, our our audience at the moment for ABC News across all of our platforms is larger than it has ever been at any time in our history. And if we can continue to have that conversation, say, well, why stop here? Why can't we keep continuing to reach every Australian on whatever platform they want to be on that suits their lifestyle, not our rhythms of the newsroom? 
So, Gavin, you're on top of the Nielsen News leaderboard currently, and I can imagine there'd be some commercial operators out there who might feel a bit of a chill down their spine when they hear you say, we can grow further. Are you concerned about interfering in in commercial news markets? Well, I think our charter tells us at the ABC that we need to effectively offer something to all Australians. And so we're not seeking to view ourselves as a competitor in a media market. We view ourselves as a public service that if you know, you put your hand in your pocket and you provide your taxes to a public media organisation with a charter to serve all Australians, then all Australians should get value out of that. And that's been my really strong belief. I grew up in a family, quite a working class family, where we didn't use the ABC when I was growing up. It wasn't relevant to my family or they didn't find relevance in it. And I always thought that, you know, when I joined the ABC as a journalist, I always thought that there was uh, something fundamentally wrong about that, that if my parents, you know, put their hand in their pocket to pay their taxes just as much as people who, you know, might live in other parts or have other interests or be better educated or be more professional or whatever they might be, don't my family or my parents get as much value out of the ABC as other people? So it really is this idea that all Australians should find value in the ABC. So it's, I suppose it's the way you look at it. If you look at it from a commercial perspective, you view the ABC as a competitor and as someone trying to steal your audience. If you view it from an ABC perspective, it is a charter commitment to offer something to all Australians. Hmm. I think, you, you know, it's the BBC conversation. So that's where you're heading. And, uh, you know, there's been, particularly from News Corporation, there's been pretty virulent criticism of, of that, basically competing for audience. So you don't see yourself as competing for audience with those general commercial news providers. No, well, two, two things, I think. Firstly, you, you know, when you look at the, you're right about the BBC, it's, it's a monolith in the British kind of media broadcasting ecosystem. But remember, you know, Britain has three times Australia's population and the BBC has something like 10 or 12 times the ABC's funding. So, you know, the resources that the BBC have to sort of dominate the media culture in that country are, you know, on a, on a different scale to what the ABC has. And, and I think that's, I think the ABC is well set. You know, I, you know, I don't think we, we should be seeking to, to, to dominate the ecosystem by having sort of, you know, much, much, much more funding. But equally, you know, I would say to our teams, we, we get criticised a lot by different people in the media ecosystem, not because we're failing, but because we're succeeding. And I don't, you know, have a problem with that. You mentioned the, the older audience that adheres to the, to the broadcast products. Have you received any pushback from that crew around your digital push? Well, I think we've got to be fundamentally honest about how we had to change to achieve, you know, success in reaching different demographics on digital platforms. And it was in many cases by deprioritizing some of the broadcast activity that we did. So we had to recognize that we had, you know, a duplication of services effectively to people who like listening to linear, linear radio or watching linear television. And we weren't going to get any more money to, uh, be able to provide a service to digital audiences. In fact, we've got significantly less money now than we had, you know, when we started out on this journey. So something has to give in that. One had to give was kind of really taking a hard look at all the things that we did provide, some of them that we've kind of loved providing for a long, long time and figuring out that not all of them were going to be able to continue forever if we also needed to invest in digital audiences. So, you know, along the way, 
a lot of criticism for axing late line and stopping the 745 AM radio news. And, you know, some of our radio current affairs programs are shorter than they used to be. Some of the programming you do on television have shorter seasons and, and, and aren't quite as dominant as they used to be. Um, and that's really difficult. That's the hard part is, is with no more investment and no opportunity to grow your funding base. In fact, dealing with less money year on year. How do you then fundamentally do this shift to providing new audiences with new services? Mm. Gavin, I want to take you through your your personal experience. You mentioned that you you grew up uh, in a family that didn't consume the ABC, and I know you've been a reporter and a producer. Can you can you just take me through your career and how you you became aware of digital journalism, different ways of operating? What what's your trajectory been? So I started out as a newspaper journalist uh, at the Canberra Times in Canberra and then sort of went down and thought, thought that that was going to be my career. And then the impetuosity of youth, one day I noticed an ad in the paper when ads were in the paper for journalism jobs for a youth current affairs show at the ABC. And I kind of, you know, on a whim, put my hand up and one thing led to another and I, I got that job. I went off to do that. It was a television current affairs show. I did that for two years. Absolutely loved it. It was a great job. And from there, I think I went down the traditional path of sort of broadcast journalism and was doing producing and some reporting and all of those things. And I went on a holiday to London in about 98, 99, and the dot-com boom was in full swing in the UK. And I was just, it blew my mind. This thing was taking over the entire industry in a way that I'd never imagined. The online news was just, every ad in the paper was for online journalists. There were startups all over the place. There was money being thrown about in all sorts of different ways. And I thought, well, this isn't quite happening to the same extent in Australia yet. Maybe I should come over here and learn a bit about it and maybe come back to Australia and, and have some fun with it. So I joined CNN.com at the point when CNN was expanding massively into online news. Um, they started CNN.com Europe, uh, which had 50 staff on it. They did the same in Asia. They did the same in the US. 150 staff were brought on to create CNN.com in a, in a much bigger way. And it, you know, so I joined that. They sponsored me to go over there. So desperate were they for, for journalists. And it, you know, it was an incredible experience as we went through this massive expansion at CNN around online news. But within six months, the dot-com bust had happened and all of it got closed down. And then you saw, I was in London, you know, when this was happening, all of these digital startups and digital news operations suddenly massively withdrew from the space. Um, and how one thing led to another, September 11 happened and I was still in the CNN newsroom and suddenly satellite television was back in the main game and CNN was mm -hmm. the king again. Mm -hmm. And you, you returned to the ABC, obviously, you progressed through the ranks. Then you were given, the Kate Tawney left, you were, you were given the big job. And then five years later, January 2020, ABC News topped the Nielsen rankings for audience size. How did you feel? I can honestly say I didn't ever think it would happen because I didn't, I looked at what other great online news providers in Australia had, you know, the big, the Fairfaxes and the Nines and the, and the Newses. And I just thought that the ABC would never really have the breadth of content that would appeal to online audience. You know, we don't have travel sections and food sections, and we don't you know, have lots of journalists writing sport content for online platforms. And, you know, we don't have lifestyle and we don't have entertainment. We, we, all of those things that we came to believe were really big drivers of traffic online, we, we weren't really in. So I always thought that 
yeah, if what we could focus on was journalism and strong coverage and good analysis and some yeah, particularly well-made digital first kind of storytelling techniques, we could be a strong player and we could be a lot more relevant in reaching the audiences. But I genuinely didn't think we would be the number one website uh, for, for all of those reasons. So obviously January 2020 was the month of the bushfires and we looked at that and thought, oh, well, that, that's a bit of an aberration, massive news story. And we're very strong when it comes to hard news stories, but we'll probably drop back in the rankings and that's okay. And then obviously along came COVID-19 and, and that, that kind of let us down another sort of spike and, and we've maintained it. And, and I think, you know, it, 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 for some people that observe that, they say, oh, well, it's been such a busy news period. The ABC has just succeeded because it's kind of good at hard news. But I think it does deny the fact that we'd gone through five years of really significant cultural and uh, strategic change, the ABC to refocus all of our newsrooms and our program teams around being excellent at digital. What What about, was there any, is there any one decisive product development or, you know, editorial decision that you would say, okay, well, that really, that really boosted traffic? The, the difference for us, absolutely no doubt, was focusing on what journalism we did best and how to make that equally valuable to digital audiences. So for instance, you know, sitting down with the Four Corners team at the beginning of all of this and saying, I think we can be a, a, a really incredible digital brand at Four Corners. And the team sort of thinking, well, we're television documentary makers. I'm not sure that's in our DNA. But bit by bit working at that, I'm really proud of the fact that every Monday morning before Four Corners goes out to air on free-to-air television in the evening, the Four Corners story that we've produced for the website is the number one ranking story often of the week. Um, and... You look across Australian story, you look across foreign correspondent, you look at the radio current affairs journalism we're doing, 730s journalism. This is the stuff that's led the way in relation to us growing our audience in a really big way. And then we looked at how we could do that in the state newsrooms and the local newsrooms and bring in some of our regional content and really enhance the value of all of that so that our very best journalism and production was what was reflected on the website. That, to be fair, you do have volume as well. And, you know, as you ran through your newsrooms there, it, it to me, I get my competitive brain on and I think, wow, you know, you, you've got a true pan-Australia newsroom and, you know, few few of the commercial players do. You know, ABC was asleep in, in digital news terms until 2015 and now it's suddenly, you know, it's, it's pretty much game on now. What do you have planned, Gavin, digitally? So the next big, I think, audience trend that we've just got to very rapidly get our heads around is a truly on-demand, truly, you know, I call it the end of schedule, where audience are, audiences are not operating off schedules or the clock or um, those sorts of things, but it is genuinely going to be a, a sort of truly on-demand consumer driven pattern. For instance, if you look at something like the PM program, one of our finest kind of programs with a great history and all the rest of it, if I hop in my internet connected car and I am, you know, at 6.45 in the evening, it won't be long before PM's not much use to me if it starts at 6.30 on linear radio and I've got the choice of saying to Siri, hey Siri, give me the news. So We've got to look at the way we produce news fundamentally and say, look, how can we make it genuinely available to people on their terms? 
in a very on-demand way. The, the, those kind of changes are very difficult to make in newsrooms, in my experience, because simple things at work, you know, and deadlines are simple things. Is, is, that, is that a cultural challenge? It's, it's massive, but, but the, the real cultural challenge that we're facing, we've been facing for a while with online news, but, but is about to become the absolutely dominant experience, is the audience isn't charge here. Newsrooms can no longer tell the audience when it's time to watch or listen, or when the newspaper is going to land on your front doorstep. And there's some big challenges coming down the path that, you know, we, we still produce a lot of AM radio. Well, AM radios don't work in electric cars, and there's going to be a lot more electric cars on the roads in 10 years than there were 10 years ago, obviously. So, you know, I had no idea that that was true. I, obviously, I'm not very often in an electric car, but you just can't get the signal. Is that right? You can't get the signal. The, 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 the frequency doesn't work with the electric mechanism in the car. Equally, you know, we spend you know, many tens of millions of dollars every year at the ABC on terrestrial television transmission, but how many people in 10 or 15 years are going to have an aerial on their roof? of us in the industry are kind of really analysing these both uh, challenges and opportunities that are coming in five years, really. This is not a sort of far distant horizon thing. This is right now. I'll tell you one story. We launched something recently we've called Newstream, and it's an on-demand audio stream of content. It's a pull together of all the great audio journalism that we do at the ABC. We haven't talked about it. We haven't promoted it. We haven't put a press release out. Nobody really knows we've done it. In the first couple of months we've had it out there, it's now at half a million streams a week. So this on this insatiable demand for on-demand listening and viewing experiences is already with us. Mm. Now, just just to bring this back to, to the metrics, give, give me an example here. Are you going to send a note to your teams about being highlighted in the uh, UK press as being the fastest growing in the world? Would you you know, type up an internal email and say, well done, guys, look at this. Well, not to the whole team in that kind of way. I mean, look, in a regular newsletter or something like that that I might send out, we will note things like that, absolutely. But look, I think our teams are fundamentally better at reading audience kind of data and understanding how audiences are behaving than they've ever been. And and not everywhere and not, not everyone, but across the board, uh, you know, I think our people get it now in a way that they have they they might not have you know a couple few years ago. And, and again, that's a cultural shift. And are your teams, to use a corporate phrase, KPI'd? Are you measuring their performance against metrics? So, in terms of our leadership, then that they are. In terms of our journalists, they're not. So we, we don't, for instance, set journalists' individual targets around you know you need to reach this number or. That this number of stories or this kind of audience slice or segment or all those sorts of things. That what we focus KPIs around for our journalists is excellence in their work and, and great journalism and, you know, reducing errors and all of those sorts of fundamental things to the journalism process. But certainly among our leadership, there's much more of a focus in KPIs around ensuring that, you know, we're setting measurable targets that we can try to reach. And then, you know, that's their job then to kind of take that back to their teams and work out a strategy for their team on how to achieve it. Mm. There's a danger in in exposing individual reporters and producers to to metrics, I think. Would you agree with that? Well, I think fundamentally what we want the journalists to do is have front and centre in their mind great reporting and good storytelling and, you know, reducing errors and, you know, making sure that they're reflecting the community in the storytelling they're doing. Mm. Gavin, I've often thought that your job is pretty pretty tough. What's the hardest thing that you have to deal with? 
Look, uh, I suppose the hardest part of a role like this at the ABC is that you are accountable to everybody all the time, as it should be, frankly. But, you know, there are cycles in this job where it does often feel like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a hurricane around you because of some particular issue that's kind of risen either in a political realm or by a media organization or whatever else. And, you know, I've got a much thicker skin uh, around some of these things as I've gone along. And you certainly don't ever want to feel like either criticism or public campaigning or those sorts of things in any way deters you from continuing to try to do the strongest possible journalism you can do. Uh, so I look at every step along the way, my message back to our teams when there is a lot of criticism or, you know, we're the subject of an AFP raid uh, or, you, you know, there's some very big controversial issue around the ABC, do not take a backward step, step forward, keep going, try harder. You know, our success with audiences is going to be because they see fundamental value in the journalism they do, not because they see us reacting to criticism or controversy. Uh, mm. My, my experience was going from 9MSN into a company called MediaWorks in New Zealand, which was the subject of a lot of press speculation and people were writing things about my newsroom that would discombobulate other people in the company and that really got my goat. That was very difficult. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it is. And, and it can, you know, people can be too focused on some of that criticism that is obviously usually coming from, you know, an agenda. And so that's what you've got to remind people. Look, the flip side of it too, is we are publicly accountable and, and there are times when we don't get things right. And there are times when we've got to accept that and, and to atone for it. And so it's also building a culture around that. You know, if we, if that article or that story was fundamentally had an error in it, we got to put our hands up and say, look, that's not good enough. And we've got to improve our process to be better next time. Mm. The uh, In in terms of what's next, I, I note that I, ABC iView it requires a login now. Would you ever require a login to access news? Look, I think the login issue is around, can we provide a better service to people? And I genuinely look at all the sorts of digital services that are out there that are very intuitive about their customers because they learn about their customers through logins and through personalized kind of approaches to the way they offer their services. So I think anything that assists us in offering a service that feels much more like it's for you is is a valuable thing for us to be, to be trying. Mm. Yeah. Well, Gavin, thanks a lot for talking to me. That It's been a really good discussion. And congratulations on ABC News Online in terms of the size and the quality and the trend. Obviously, the trend is what matters in this business. Great, Hal. Well, look, you're one of the true digital pioneers of news in Australia. So it's great to talk to you. And you know, I've learned a lot from you over the years as well. I've really enjoyed the conversation today. The Crawford Media Podcast music is Ethan Knight Club by Kevin McLeod. Thanks, Kevin. And thanks to everyone for listening. My name's Hal Crawford. Bye for now.